This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joar, and today is Thursday, January 9th, 2020. It's still CS. This is my second show. If you haven't listened to the first show, go back and listen to that. But I have a couple of guests with me here today. I've got Nicole Scott here of Mobile Geeks, and I've got Nick of Fandroid, of course. Nick Gray. Hello, hello. Hi, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for being here. So I'd like to take a second to thank our sponsor. We have two. We have our usual sponsor, but we also have Dassault System as our sponsor at CS this year. And Dassault System demonstrates how the virtual world is enabling companies to efficiently leverage data and technology to create sustainable personalized experiences that improve people's lives. Um, so there's a few things we've seen since the last show that I want to go through, but I also kind of want to hear what, you know, what stood out for you. A lot of people ask me the question, and I'm having a really hard time answering this year, which is how, what stood out for you? And honestly, it feels to me like it was a good show, but not a great show and nothing really, really stood out. But maybe it's because I've been doing this for 12 years and I'm jaded. I don't know. I've had that question asked of me a couple different times and mainly from other manufacturers wanting to know what they should go check out on their free time. And I've, I've had a hard time answering that. Like I've had to like pull through, oh, this is the cool thing. And it's really hard. There's a lot to see. There's a lot of innovation, but there's nothing really like years in the past that something's really stood out as, you know, the showstopper. Or if it is, then you, you won't be able to see it on the show floor. I mean, for me, CES is still a very important show because the company set their intentions. We're able to access so many great executives to have cool meetings. But it's not like my meeting with this executive is something cool that you can go and see. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, or like this cool conversation that I had would be the thing for you to kind of take away from the show, right? So for me, I think the coolest thing that I did was the Audi iMe drive, only because like autonomous drive car, VR headset, you know, floating through the mountains of China. Like this was pretty cool. You so usually, you're really stuck in traffic in LA, but you're floating but through the But you're really floating through, okay. exactly, right? And uh, I often never get to drive a concept car. And this was one of the few times I was able to do that, so. You- you drove that e-tron uh, GT, didn't you? Yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Last yeah, year at, in 2019. At the, at the LA Auto Show, but that wasn't autonomous. I actually drove yeah, it. I was jealous of you. <laughs> Most expensive that, car I've ever driven. It looks baller, that thing. 3.8 uh, million. Wow. 3.8? <laughs> and you're like, don't crash. There was the don't cops, cops around me the whole Did time. Did they only have one yeah. in the world? Okay. Basically, yeah. Anyway, so um, for me, I think if I have to pick all the gadgets I've seen, the OnePlus concept phone is really close to my heart because I'm a big fan of OnePlus. And even though it's very showy, there's some things about it, yes. Nicole is holding her one, clenching, clenching, clenching with love. Her, one, her OnePlus 7T here. To my heart. And I, in my pocket, have a OnePlus 7T Pro 5G uh-huh. McLaren uh-huh. edition or something. So um, I, I feel that's one thing. But the other thing that I feel is strongly about is the... Um, the uh, Lenovo, I think Nick, you'll relate to this, Lenovo yep. ThinkPad X1 Fold. Love it. We, we talked about that on the last show, so if, if you want to get a preamble, listen to that, but you can stay right on here because we're going to go over it again. It's That's, just so good. And I don't cover Windows devices, but it's one of those devices where you have to pay attention. We've seen so many foldable devices over the last 12 months that we've kind of gotten an idea of what they're going to be looking like within the next year or two. And I think this was the first device that is actually really useful with its foldable screen. And it's not something that's going to fall apart when you actually touch it and use it. That's what struck me the most about it. I felt like, as I said in the last show, that I could just drop kick that thing by accident and it'd be fine. Yeah. And so when I was testing it, you know, I asked, you know, the product manager, like, do I need to be careful about pressing on the screen when I'm folding and unfolding? And she said, no, go at it. And it's a much harder plastic than what we saw on the Galaxy Fold on the display, but it's still a little bit malleable. So it does have the pen support. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, right on it. And you can feel 
a little bit of that capacitive pen support that we used to have on you know mobile devices back in the day. Uh, it's not a capacitive screen, but you get kind of that re that feel when yeah. you're writing with a pen. You get that tactile feedback, which feels really nice compared to writing on the screen with a uh, with a note. That's cool. I mean, for me, what I really liked the best about it was it felt finished. Even when, you know, the Fold, obviously the Galaxy Fold being, was just didn't feel finished from day one and certainly wasn't, uh, even in, I think in its current version, it's, pretty, it's still a pretty iffy proposition. It feels more like a concept. Correct. Device, right? Correct. And so this to me is like, I love the combination of things. The silicone bezel that completely All the way around. covers the display and so nothing and the, can get in. And it covers the hinges, right? Where it exactly, yeah. Well. And then the other thing I thought was really cool was it's made of carbon fiber and there's a stainless steel in the back behind the display that when you fold it grows like a comb like this. See? Yep. And and it it is always enough of the plastic of the screen resting on that that you can put pressure on it anywhere and you won't get what you get on a, on a Galaxy Fold. Like, you can use this with a pen without feeling like you're gonna stab through the screen and break pixels. Which on the Galaxy Fold, every time I use a fingernail, I feel like I'm gonna break something. Which you probably are. Yeah, and I mean, I know it's capacitive, you're not supposed to use a fingernail, but you do, right? You accidentally tap with your fingernail. So yeah, that was impressive. I felt that that combination of form factors and the fact that even though they couldn't close it perfectly, they left a gap to put the keyboard in there. Which is, which is totally smart. I mean, I, I loved how durable the Fold X1 felt. And immediately after that meeting, basically, I went to see Intel's concept laptop based on their Tiger Lake platform. And they wouldn't close it. I think you had the same experience. Yeah, they it was terrible. They wouldn't let you really, they were like, ah, oh, freaking out. There's only one. Oh my God, it's so fragile. And like, you sort of realize, I'm like, okay, this laptop reference design from Intel should be significant because this is the reference design that all laptops maker, ma makers could use right. to build their foldable. Right? Yeah. But Lenovo has one on the market that we That's feel it's coming, is, right? that, that yeah. is coming out this year that we already feel and it's, I mean, is solid. And what is Intel doing? Yeah. Putting out this flimsy piece of I'm, shit that I, they won't even let us touch. I asked, right? <laughs> and I said like, is this a prototype from last year? Because I thought this was a precursor to Lenovo. Yeah. Same. Right? And I was like, they brought it because it's a slightly bigger form factor and they're being fancy. Why didn't they just get a generic Lenovo one to show off? And then to show, and then to be like, yeah. look how good our reference design is. And actually Lenovo has one as well. And I, yeah, I mean, so I, like Intel didn't have a booth this year. No. Qualcomm didn't have a booth this year. Qualcomm had an automotive booth. Yeah, I know. Right. So I mean, like thing, things are re like for for mobile in this in this one breath, things have really changed. They really, yeah. You walk into Central yeah. Hall, typically it's, it's Intel, Intel right there and Qualcomm, Qualcomm right, right there. Nope. Neither of the. I walked in. I was like, Where, where the fuck are they? <laughs> where they go? Right. And so you you sort of like feel this shift within CES yep. that those two big players took a step back and only did meeting rooms and didn't do full boost to show off all their yeah. wares. I mean, they yeah. still have a massive presence here, except yeah. it's not like what it's been in the past. No, and I, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like CS is evolving. You, you go to the North Hall and it's just, like remember North Hall was just like crappy crap like five speakers, years ago? Speakers, it was like- With a few like car makers. A few now car it's makers like speakers. lots yeah. of car makers, yeah. all of them legit, yeah. and a lot of car tech, like, you know, adaptive headlights, like radar, LIDAR, ADA mm -hmm. systems. Like, you know, and some of it is very B2B, but some of it is like, we know that they're having meetings in the back rooms of CS, yep. working out deals so that our car two years from now will have this technology, right? Cool. Yeah, and the the thing we've been saying for a long time is CES is turning into an automotive show. CES, it's coming. It's all cars. And I think that we saw these two, like, quite pivotal moments with... Sony putting out a car, which is like, which is kind of ridiculous, which is kind of ridiculous, but it says, so I, I took three things away from it. A, it's super easy to make a, a reference design for cars because you don't have to actually build them, right? The, the tier ones like Magna and Bosch, they're, they're, they're companies I cover, but for the mainstream audience doesn't give a shit. Yeah, like, nobody, no, knows. nobody wants to talk about tier one automotive manufacturers, even though they're doing the brunt of, of the, the work of the R and D, yeah. right? So it was a brilliant play 
from Sony to do this, right? Absolutely brilliant. They got to, you know, promote the fact that they make sensors. They got to promote the fact that they also make displays, but they don't actually make displays for automotive. This was just a look at me, we make displays. Well, right. We right? could make displays. I guess for we could automotive. make displays. I mean, but LG display is like killing it. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah, there's like. But I, they, I, they were there already in the early days. Remember when we saw so like long, automotive yeah. flexible displays? Yeah. And now you look at the Porsche Taycan and the dashboard yeah. is a, it's yep. clearly an OLED display oh, yeah. from LG from that's LG. flexible, mm -hmm. right? Like there's nobody else who makes that. You know it. You know well, it's And from to them. Tie, tie into that, Royale, who was here last year showing off the, the foldable phone. Mm -hmm. Now they're in Central Hall, yeah. moved from South Hall, the prominent position, and they're showing off automotive flexible displays. And I think we're going to see more flexible displays in automotive than we yeah. probably are in consumer products because that honestly, that makes a lot more sense. You have a display that can contour to a certain shape yeah. in a vehicle rather than yeah. you know a folding phone or a folding tablet. That's completely different. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year at CS when they open whatever they're going to call West Hall. I mean, I assume it's going to be brand West new Hall. one. The brand new one across the street from North Hall. Because then if they do and all the big, you know, expensive like LG, Samsung companies Move there, which I would expect because like they're so cramped in there. Mm -hmm. Central Hall is becoming a bit of a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So maybe the, the future will be you graduate from South Hall to Central Hall to North Hall to West Hall. And when you hit West Hall, you, you know, it. the shiny new West Hall. Yeah, I don't know. But then the, the thing is, is that the automotive guys want more of a presence here and they don't have the room in North Hall. And they, yeah. need, they need big booths to show off their yeah. cars, right? Yeah. Like it takes they need, a lot more space. It takes a lot more space. Yeah. Well, like and the automotive Detroit, shows up yeah. here, but Detroit is right around the corner. And everyone's pulled out of Detroit, basically. Yeah. And they're all showing off here. Yeah, right? Detroit's so, happening, what, later this month? Sometime? Yeah, yeah. A couple weeks. A couple weeks. Nicole, you going to go? No. <laughs> I don't know. I mean. Hard no. <laughs> no, there's, no there, there's, there's really nothing that happens at this show anymore. So like, it's just the incumbents. Well, and all the even, disruptors well, are here. No, but even the incumbents aren't even showing up. Like Oof. the the Germans have, for the most part, pulled out almost completely. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, like it's it's, it's become quieter and quieter. It's become quieter and quieter, and there's very little reason for global media to show up anymore. But going back to what I was saying earlier, that I felt it was a good show, but not a great show for me. What I, I mean, it's never been a phone show, and mm -hmm. and but surprisingly, we got some good phone announcements. You know. Um, I wouldn't say good phone well, I think Like there, there was a couple products. I think so TCL didn't TCL. announce any phones. They said, here's a phone that we're going to announce No, but next I month. mean, we all know that, I mean, it's very clear that the, 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 the TCL 10 series, which is the 10 Lite, 10 Pro, 10 5G, are coming, are going to be coming to the US Unlocked and Sub 500. And, you know, to me, for, for CS, that's a big amount of announcement, yeah. especially from a company like TCL, who only started, technically started, mm. because we know they make Alcatel phones, yep. but technically started making phones. Under uh, their own brand. Aifa with the Plex. And so that was a big thing. Uh, OnePlus decided to do a concept at CES, which is not a phone show, where they've always been, but never had an actual presence because it was always a party is also, I think, significant as a mobile. And then finally, you did not get your Xperia 3, Nick. I did not. <laughs> I did not. No, I, rumors were pointing that it was coming. And I mean, instead you got a it, car from Sony, so. Okay. Well, that, but that's the thing. Like, everyone showed up to the Sony press event expecting something. Honestly, besides the car, Sony was underwhelming this year. Yeah, like but you it was you last walk year into too. Their, but you walk into the booth, they're not even showing off their full product portfolio. Really? They weren't showing off photography. Oh, no. No, they don't have any cameras. They were showing a lot of industrial stuff Interesting. along with it. They were showing wow. off their cinema cameras yeah, and stuff right. like that. A lot less consumer stuff, which I don't know if is going to be a bigger shift that we're going to see from them going forward. But, I mean, Sony's still a beloved brand, but... From a consumer standpoint, we're seeing less and less from them every single year. And the booth was significantly smaller. Yeah, like it was somehow, kind of depressing. Yeah, like somehow they like blocked off, because it, it used to be that whole back room. Yeah. And now they seem to have blocked off half of it with nothing, or like somehow you don't see it. Yeah. But like I was walking through it and really realized this is half the size of what it used to be. Yeah. Well, and so I had a couple people with me that is their first CES, and I, the Sony booth is typically my favorite mm, booth yeah, to go absolutely. visit. Because you could just go play with all their audio stuff, play with their cameras. And I told a couple of the guys, so make sure you hit the Sony booth. And, and they messaged like, me like, why did you tell me to come here? 
<laughs> and but I mean, Whoops. but then they had the press event, and literally we show go to Pepcom. We didn't go to the press event, and everyone came back. Like, did you see the the Sony car? car? Like, like, oh. like I think that was the big for me. That was the biggest surprise of of CES yeah. was that I Sony mean, showed up with a car. That's something completely out of left field. And so, in that sense, going back to good, not great CS for me, I didn't expect much from mobile. So I got, I was happy to get a little bit something unusual. And then laptops and and gaming and stuff was pretty much what I expected. But contrary to last year, where you know, like Asus did that, that crazy like weird laptop desktop hybrid yep. And, yep, yep, yep. and a bunch of other stuff, it just seemed a little and bit more chill. And as well. Yeah, exactly. But at least we got Lenovo who rescued us with the uh, yeah. the uh, ThinkPad X1 Fold and then a bunch of other things, of course, like the 5G yoga and the, uh, what was the one, the, the Think... Book, think book, or something that has the OLED, not OLED. Oh, the e-ink, paper, the, e-ink yeah, the, the, the think book yeah. or the e-ink. I, I actually really like that e-ink laptop. I, sp- I spent more heavy, than. Though. But I spent more than enough time playing with the back, being like, oh my God, we'll take so many notes with this. Look at this artistic drawing that I've made of myself. I, I don't know why. I just. Yeah. I really expected us to get e-ink displays yeah. on, on, lap- everything. on everything, like without any fanfare. Like it's just like so much more simply than. Yeah. What seems to have happened. I don't know. I, I kind of like for me. I suddenly had like flashbacks to Yota phone. Remember that? Yep. With that yep. laptop. Yep. But, but then, then Samsung showed up with their Chromebook. Yeah. So I never got to see it. It's actually pretty amazing for the price. Like it's how it's much a, is it? Nine ninety nine for their base with a four K display. And it's like it looks what? and and the pen pen support. What? And it, and it looks yeah. like a fancy. A newer, like basically, it and looks it's like, like it's it an like aluminum the, body. It looks like what the Pixel Book was, yeah, yeah, but yeah. But if you read it now, oh. you know yeah, so, so like the, aluminum, the original Pixel Book, right, exactly. but like yeah. a lot, it's like half the thickness of it's, the original, which is Pixel incredible because that thing is already super thin, yeah. So and, it's and it's red, it's super sexy, yeah. There's red and a silver, oh, there's a silver, there's a silver, oh, yeah. uh, and the only downside is the hinge is not really sturdy like oh. even while you're typing like on a desk like the whole screen is it's like wobbling, wobbling it's back called and what forth. the samsung chromebook it's right? just called the chromebook yeah. yeah it's just called the galaxy chromebook galaxy or the, Ga- yeah. Yeah, the galaxy chromebook. i'm just looking it up because so I, I totally I'm missed it, it, it looks no gorgeous. you need to check it out it's it amazing looks gorgeous. Yeah. i'm still yeah. pissed that samsung from not inviting me to that briefing you hear that samsung and, and I, we talked about this i marked it for the wrong day so i didn't even go i was like oh, oh it's supposed to be the next night and then Whoops, I missed. And and uh, although we talked about them last last show, like two days ago, uh, they did bring the very confusing Note 10 Lite and S10 Lite phones to that briefing. Yeah. But those phones don't make any sense to me. Me neither. I, I think like, it's one of those, we, we have some processors and components left over. We need to get rid of them. Let's build a phone. They're compliance phones. We had to meet a quota by December 31st. Because, I mean, they're so close to the launch of the S11 or S20. I don't think they're going to hit the market before the S11 launches. And what what is it about them that you guys think is like this completely ridiculous product? So first of all, the Note 10 Lite is a a Note 10 because it's got the stylus, the S Pen. So, so far, so good, right? Yeah. But it has a headphone jack, which other notes don't have. Yeah. Then the S10 Lite. Is also looks more like an S10 series phone. So so far so good, but it has no headphone jack. And which the, the bodies which of the these other two S10s phones are do. exactly the same. Yeah, and the bodies of the two phones are the same. And the S10e already exists yeah. basically as an S10 Lite. Yeah. And then the camera systems are wackadoodle. Uh-huh. So the and Note, they use different processors. The, one right, connects right, to Note yeah, and exactly. I was going to get to the process. Oh, so the, the Note 10 is a normal triple camera, like ultra yeah. wide, tele. Regular that makes sense, but then the S10 has like a 64 megapixel Samsung sensor as a main okay. camera. Then it has two other cameras, but it's not like an ultra wide. And one's a, a depth sensor, exactly. one's a macro. Yeah. Okay. And then there's some processors, <laughs> as Nick pointed out. I didn't want to take it from yourself, yeah. so go ahead, Nick. Tell yeah. us so, about the so processor. So one has an one's running an Exynos, and then right. the other one's running a Snapdragon 855. Correct. And the question is, the Note is the Exynos. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And the question is, like, we don't know pricing yet. Mm. And this late in the game, already the Samsung Galaxy Note's been on the market for five and a half months. Yeah. You can already buy it for $300 off. Yeah. 
These phones have to sell for $500 or less to be relevant. They're not. They're going to be seven to $800 phones. So you can buy the actual flagship for less money than these yeah, devices Yeah, and I'm can. surprised it has 855 on the S10 Lite because I would have Instead expected of the to five, go for 730 five. or 765 or Is something. it like an emerging market play and we just don't no, realize? No, because they have the A series. And who um, in emerging markets buy an 855? No phones with the emerging so, market. Yeah, but the, so the camera setups, though, are similar to... So the cameras are a downgrade from the flagships. So yeah. it's A-series cameras with flagship processors and RAM. Yeah. So And the flat screen, so you don't have the curved display or anything like that. So they're saving money on that There's end. no Note 10 with Exynos. No, there's no Note 10 in Exynos. So now Exynos. there is. So I guess they, they remedy that. They had they too both, many processors. That's what happened. They both have yeah. forty-five hundred milliamp-hour batteries. Oh, that's big. Like it'll last anyway, you two and a half days. Which I don't is want awesome. to spend more time talking about them because they're and just confusing, done. and it just doesn't make any sense. And they were launched technically before CES, and then they only the reason I brought them up is because I was bitchy about not getting a briefing. Well, on yeah. Them. Well, um, it was it was late last week when they. Yeah, launched. exactly. I think it was before the new year. I think it, they launched. They were announced on the thirty-first of December or thirtieth of December. Or Perfect. Know, it's quotas. It's quotas. Perfect. Yeah. We didn't sell enough Exynoses. Let's say that yep. we have this. For this product that was released in 2019. Zoop, got it. <laughs> yeah, weird. Um, so, yeah, so I mean, for me, uh, in terms of laptops, since the last podcast I did two days ago, I saw a new laptop from Asus that was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Asus ROG Zephyrus G14, which is, uh, at first sight, looks more like either a business or a creative laptop in terms of it's like, aesthetics you know silver magnesium or black magnesium chassis uh matte black so think razor you know like say yeah, it looks yeah, more yeah. like a razor laptop than like a, a zephyrus normally with like the leds yeah. everywhere and the weird angular shapes and the red stripes red and the, stripes yeah. and not all like that, but it's a genuine bona fide gaming laptop mm. with a 10 uh 10 hour battery life uh and but the cool things that stood out for me where i mean it has the usual uh, laptop features for a gamer it has RTX 10, uh, sorry, 2060. Uh, it has uh, 180-watt power supply with a coax input, but it also charges over USB-C up to 65-watt, uh, and it can actually run games on the 65-watt uh, USB-C charger. That doesn't come in the box, but it's nice that you have an option of... Um, of course the of charger charges. doesn't come in the box. The big one, yeah. The, yeah. the big one does. The big no, one no, no, does, but, but the USB-C, the small one, yeah. right? Small one, uh, yeah. Other things that I like, it has uh, upgradable SODIMs for RAM and upgradable oh, N- that's, NVMe, that's NVMe SSD. You just remove the plate like you do on a MacBook at the bottom and yeah. it's all there. Oh, amazing. Um, and or has, any old laptop. And it has yeah, two yeah. display options. It has a 1080p 144Hz panel or a 1440p uh, 60 hertz panel. And and then it has, and this is where it gets really exciting. So, so far you're going to say, what the hell are you talking about, Miriam? Who cares about this? Well, here's what's cool. It has that Ryzen 4000 chip that AMD just announced here at CES, with, which apparently they have an exclusive with uh, Asus for three, for, for three months with that chip. And they, they basically, it's a 45 watt chip normally, and uh, they got it done clocked to a 35 watt in this application so it's even more energy efficient and still gaming capable and the thing that's cosmetically really makes you and attracted me in the first place to like oh i need to do a video of this thing i know i left it for the end is the back of the display so when you close the lid the lid of it on the outside has this array of leds that instead of covering the entire back covers like a triangular section of the back and it's like, you know, the dot case from HTC phones back in the day. The dot view case. Yeah, dot Which view. I love. It has a thousand LEDs in a triangular pattern. They're, as far as I could tell, only white, not RGB. But you can, and it only has one millimeter thickness to the laptop. And they are completely programmable by the user. You can have text scrolling by. So if you're a DJ, you can have your VU meters going while the music that you're DJing is playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, all kinds of cool stuff like that. You can have like an animated logo. It's very cool. Um, and I mean, you know, it's a gimmick, but I, why not? Like, it, you know, people try to differentiate and laptops, gaming laptops are always a little over top in this really kind of awkward way, I think. And this is over top in a very kind of like different way. Yeah. So I, was, I thought it was cool. Oh, and the keyboard has really good key travel, like more than a standard keyboard. It's like... Mechanical keyboard? 
I don't think it's mechanical, but it's definitely backlit. Oh, check out my video on my YouTube channel. I'll link it in the show notes below. But um, that was the one thing and the OnePlus we're going to talk about in a second that I felt was exciting about since the last show. Yeah, but, I, I've been I've been really digging the fact that Asus seems to be going back to that heritage from a decade ago of just putting out devices that are likely limited product runs, but calling them real products. Like, yeah, you know how, like, yeah. back in the day, they came out with the pad phone and all of this, and really, they were like, these are real products, but they were only making 10,000 of them just to test the market. And I feel like their laptop line is going in this direction, which I'm really happy about, that that playfulness and that, like, oh, this doesn't make sense or this does make sense. At least they're trying and putting stuff out. And the laptop market had gotten a bit conservative and boring over the last few years, just about like minor iterations and like yeah. things a little bit better. And then now with the the whole creator line and the whole gaming line, yeah, I feel yeah. like the, the category is finally getting getting legs again. I Honestly, I hope there's more emphasis on the creator line because yeah, there's, the there's more and more people. Because while not, a, not every media press person here at CES is a creator, yeah. right? Not everyone's doing video and photo <laughs> editing. Yeah. Most people are, are writing. and But I just want a laptop with an SD card slot in it, right? Like, it's so Word. simple. Yeah. I have to pull out a stupid dongle and plug it in. But, like, if we can actually get... Because a gamer doesn't need that, right? Mm -hmm. But... We need more ports on the side to plug things in and mm -hmm. specific types of ports because we have external devices that need them. It did not have an SD card slot, but it well, did then, have... Then it can't be a creative it laptop. Had two USB, like, yeah, I, it, I, I take that away from it you. It had two USB-Cs uh, that one of them or both of them had Thunderbolt on them. It had two USB-As, it had a full-size HDMI port and uh, that special power connector and headphone jack. Yeah, so, I, I tried to do the Wi-Fi SD card, but you can't. No, for, here for, it's impossible. For photos, fine. Yes. Actually, for video, for, videos, for video, impossible. No. But even for photos, like if you, yeah, if but, I go out and shoot all morning long, I have 179 photos in RAW. Oh, in RAW. Like, I like even not I don't raw, shoot like, raw. But <laughs> even, if, do I. even if it's not raw, like I, I have a Sony camera, the regular photo is 5 megabit. Um... Hell, my iPhone and Pixel Four shoot photos that are four megabytes. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mind that song. Like, I, I like it to take the photo and then to be able to transfer it to my phone to share on social. Mm -hmm. Like the beautiful yeah, the, DSLR yeah. photo. I mean, I, I gave it a whirl to try to be like, okay, there's no SD card slot, but no, it's, it's, an, it's actually it's, impossible. It's an annoyance that. Yeah. You so, have to, yeah. You have to have the dongle with you, twenty four seven. So, laptopless uh, manufacturers and companies, if you're listening to this show, we want more creative, creator, creative, whatever laptops. Give us the SD card S back. That's all we want, the SD card. You can even hide it in the hinge or something cool like yeah, that. Yeah, in the back. Yeah. We don't care where yeah. you put yeah. it. Stick it somewhere. It doesn't have to be <laughs> obvious. Um, also, put, put it somewhere awkward. That's more fun. So, let me think. We talked about Lenovo a little bit. So, yeah, for me, that that ThinkPad X one. Uh, full uh, beyond all the different modes of use, mm -hmm. I thought was I felt just so like like a ThinkPad. You feel like you can, you're not gonna break it, and that just stood out for me. Well, and Lenovo also had their Chromebook tablet, uh, their IdeaPad Duet. I didn't see that. So it's a 10-inch Chromebook tablet. So okay. Google's done this already. But it's two seventy. Like the slate, you mean? Yeah. So it's two seventy nine, but it comes with the detachable keyboard and a case that acts as a stand for two seventy nine. Like as far as value goes, it's impeccable. And honestly, it feels the user interface and everything like that feels so much more responsive than what Google did with the slate. Even though this is an extremely budget friendly device. Huh. Uh, like so, that kind of surprised me. I, w I looked at it and I was like, okay, this is gonna be like three ninety nine, but for two seventy nine with the accessories included for turning it into your mini laptop, it's it's a great Android tablet alternative. Like right. if you're looking to buy a ten inch Android tablet, buy this Chromebook instead yeah. because ninety nine percent of the time you're just browsing the web. Yeah, yeah. And then you get the Play Store and all that, and you get the accessories with it. It's perfect Christmas present. Too too bad we're past Christmas already. <laughs> do we not, do you want to touch on, on Dell and HP a little bit? We did talk about HP on the last podcast, but Dell not much. I know that I got briefed by Dell in December in SF and they showed me the Ori, which is very similar 
to the Lenovo X1 Fold, mm -hmm. uh, ThinkPad X1 Fold. And then they show this Duet, which is a dual screen laptop, very similar to what Microsoft yeah. kind of showed yes. us yeah. earlier yeah. this year. Duo, yeah. And then they showed us this, what is it called? I need to Google it now. The the weird my Nintendo the Switch nin thing. The Nintendo Switch for portable Windows gaming. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean honestly, guy. so like it, I saw, I I don't remember the name because it's it's a concept. It's not a product that they're actually coming out with, but yeah, um, that we know. Yeah, of. so yeah. maybe next year testing the market to see how. The but we saw, is. I saw the images come through with the press release, and I was like, I would buy that. I have no reason to, but I would buy it just because. Concept UFO by Alienware. That yeah. is what it's called. And that's why none of us remember the name. Yeah. Yes, because it's not as exciting as Switch. Yeah. yeah. But it looks at, at first. It looks amazing. It looks amazing. Yeah. It's very well. So basically, um, I mean, we'll I'll link to something in the show notes, but if you're trying to picture this as you're driving your car right now, listening to the podcast, uh, or commuting, um, imagine a Nintendo Switch, but instead of being a Nintendo piece of hardware, they can only do Nintendo D. Nintendo-y things. Mm -hmm. It is in full-fledged Windows PC in that form yeah. factor. Yeah. So and it's white. It's like a tablet, basically, yeah. but small. Yeah, so it's white and white and black color schemes. And then the dis the glass for the display, uh, because it's on the white body, instead of just doing those regular rectangle, the glass itself is actually... What shape is the like, trapezoid? Trapezoid. trapezoid. Yeah. So trapezoid. So it like, extends on the, <laughs> on the side, and it just gives it a unique look and feel to it. So the screen is actually just a rectangle, but the glass that's over the screen is trapezoid. Yeah. And it just looks futuristic and, and awesome. And it has those Nintendo Switch-like controllers on each side that you yep. can attach, and then you can reattach into one and and play remotely again. So honestly, it is a, is it a complete Switch knockoff? Just yeah. running Windows and and it has like a beefy guts, like it has a, the it's of course a prototype, but the power supply for it was almost the same size. It was a as brick. A, <laughs> it, was a it was a pretty big brick, uh, but of course you can dock it to uh, a TV or something mm -hmm. and or a monitor, a gaming monitor, and then play play your games. Play on games. Your... Speaking of gaming monitors. I'm not want, I don't want to talk about them. I just want to talk about there was a the, lot of them. The resurgence, not resurgence, the appearance, the the rise of the 300 hertz display on various laptops and this and in gaming panels, gaming monitors. It's kind of blown my mind. Really, people play that 360, 360, 300 hertz. No, they don't because they haven't had it yet. But they will. But apparently they want to, and apparently they, the demos show how different it looks. And scrolling text and it is looks, clearer. It looks, it looks good. amazing. I know it looks amazing. It looks amazing. But I'm like, I thought our eyes were kind of like, couldn't really pick anything up past 70 yeah. or 80 hertz. Yeah, but I mean, like, part of the reason I love going OnePlus is now I didn't think I cared about hertz. And now oh, I'm yeah, like, the 90 oh, hertz. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Once now you had 90 care. hertz, you I know my, my Pixel 4 mm. over there that's acting as my hotspot right now is pegged to 90 hertz in the debug settings because there's no way I'm doing variable. There's no way. I don't care what it does to the battery life. I do <sighs> not care. Well, it's you've got the XL. I've, I've got the baby Pixel, oh, yeah. and my battery will die in a, in a second if I turn your body, on. Your battery will die when you just look at the phone. Yeah. Um, so let's let's actually you know s switch to talking about this since we're so close to it in refresh rates and stuff. The the OnePlus Concept One. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts? I have uh, mixed feelings. Are you mad? I'm not mad, but <laughs> like the the idea of the concept phone is great. But then I looked at it and I was like, there's nothing. Personally, I found nothing about it exciting. Like. For me, the, it was the, the technology has been used for decades. Like that's decades old technology, and they're like innovation. I'm like, like just because you put it the old technology on a new product is not innovation. Well, I think you're being a little harsh. I I am, but no, like I, I was I was people... expecting because they uh, they had a press release two weeks ago right, that they're right. coming to see us. They hyped us, it a little too much. And you show me a phone that's essentially the phone you've already built with yeah, a mean, leather back. That's kind of cool. It is a One Plus Seventy Pro, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, and but like I, honestly, I was it. I like the design of it. Other than the design, there's nothing. What I thought, well, the reason I think you're being harsh is not that I disagree with you. I think, yes, they hyped it, and I don't think it's, in, it's really that innovative. But if you see how much work they put in the engineering for turning it on and off and the thickness of it, that is very innovative. On a, you know, on a 787, 
and like uh, a McLaren car that has that mm-hmm. as a sunroof, it takes several seconds for the thing to switch on and off. And it's but thick it's a, and it's a no lot constraint. larger. That's why it takes a lot I don't because think it's they this, run. The, I don't know. Sure, I'm not sure. It's a, because it's, they all switch at the same time. If you if you're in a Dreamliner, you can literally see the whole window slowly fade. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think it's more like I appreciate that they spend some time yeah. doing that. I do as well. Yeah, I th- I think that it's a cool feature to, and I didn't expect. That 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 was the that announcement. Was be, yeah. yeah, I I expected it was something on the front, right? right. I thought I, th- I thought it was the under or camera display with for the, the cameras the front, or yeah. the camera, right? Well, that's like, inevitable. That, that we, Oppo was doing that. We've seen it on Oppo. I I just thought they were just going to do like that feature roll from the Oppo no. phone onto the one yeah, under like, cameras. Because, but I was like, BBK, I guess, right? BBK, yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, yeah. That's that's totally what I thought. And so when I saw the active glass on the back, I was like, okay. It's completely unnecessary. Yes. So it's so completely barely aesthetic. Fine. And, yeah. Until cool. for me, it was like I don't care about any of this cosmetics. It's cool. I like yeah. the design. I think it looks yeah. pretty. Mm-hmm. It's certainly luxurious. The gold um, coating that's done with PVD on aluminum. Nobody's done PVD on aluminum before. Mm-hmm. Physical vapor deposition is very hard and scratch proof. It's used on watches. I learned about it when I was at Pebble because oh, all our okay. Pebble steel that I launched here in yeah. 2014 had PVD on it. Uh, but it wasn't aluminum, it was PVD on stainless. So it's always PVD on stainless, this is PVD on aluminum, and it's gold on aluminum, and it seems pretty durable, so I think it's interesting. But but what they, where they totally turned it around for me and really got me is the ND mm. filter feature. Mm. The fact that that, that that slightly opaque or a variably, variable opacity of that panel that can hide the cameras in the back, because that's what cosmetically it's doing, mm-hmm. can also be adjusted so that you have a neutral density filter on your camera. Okay, that's so dope, right? Like, like, like just think to, of like- the, To me, the, yeah. that is amazing. Because if yeah. you shoot in manual, mm-hmm. you set the ISO to 50, which is the uh, highest, the, the smallest number, but the highest ISO in terms of in terms of like more light. And then you set the shutter speed to like one five thousands or something, in sunlight, you need an ND filter. Like it's just yeah. going to be completely gone. So now you can have this. You have an, a, a, another little thing you can tweak. And I think, you know, who else who did an ND filter? But it was physically like shutter that went in front of the lens was Nokia oh. with the with the N eighty no the N eight not the N eight not the N eight one of the N series phones that was a Symbian candy bar font. And they had a little shutter switch. No, it was just activated by the software. But if it was too bright, the shutter would close on it. It was an ND filter. Which I think is really, really amazing. Whenever I forget my ND filter, and then when I, oh, I, did, I found it. I actually have it. I put it on. The, like, the, my photography is like exponentially improved. You just became professional. <laughs> I just became a professional photographer in that exact moment. <laughs> so for me, that was, I, until then, I was like, okay, this is cosmetic. You made a big hype, blah, blah, blah. It's just a OnePlus 70 Pro with McLaren. Yeah leather on the back and and this cool feature where the camera literally disappears but then i was like oh nd filter now you're talking to me so that's all i want to say i was like and again it's a concept it'll never come out and it's a little bit of i just want to know like how much that phone actually costs so i think with 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 that on there because that's like the technology has been around for years but it's still expensive that's why you don't see it anywhere and actually, for, for me, it's not how much will that phone actually cost. It's will they actually bring that phone out? No. So they told no. me, not, and I can't say exactly how I got this info, but mm-hmm. it's, it's clear to me that from the discussion I had with various people at the party last night and at the event was that it's not the co- cost is definitely going to be an issue. That That's part of the reason. Yeah. But right now, the biggest issue is mass mass. Mass production. Mm. They cannot consistently make these things. Right. Uh, because uh, the changes they made for the speed and the thinness, it's 0.35 millimeters. It's a hair thickness. Mm. And the speed, 0.7 seconds to switch completely, is causing, like, it requires, you know, basically the manufacturing processes to make that happen yeah, are right. really difficult to meet in mass quantity. Nicole, I know you got to run. I do, unfortunately. CS is one of those things. But do you have one second to discuss Fisker mm-hmm. with me? I was just at their booth, finally saw the Fisker Ocean. Okay. You know I'm a big EV fan because yep. I have a Tesla. I'm like a, a bit of a Tesla freak now. Not as bad as some of those people out there. <laughs> but um, I judge a lot of stuff now in the automotive industry mm-hmm. based on that. And people call me unreasonable, as you saw in the comment threads. <laughs> I, I just feel like the incumbents, the existing car companies, are still need to make the mental switch yeah. to be competitive because 
I, and but I want to see other competitors. And you know, Fisker's been uh, not always delivered quite as well as they promised in the past. But I don't think it's Henrik. Mm -hmm. I just think there's other parameters involved here. I feel a little more positive about this because I feel like the skateboard or whatever chassis they're building this on looks like it's BYD or some Chinese existing well-proven thing. Yeah. And I feel conf more confident that they might be able to pull this off. What, what do you think real quick about Fisker? So I'm still unsure if they can deliver uh, quality on scale. But I think that that concern is with Audi, is with BMW, it's with, it's, it's with everyone. I mean, Volkswagen should be the only manufacturer that that can has the history of scaling like this so i'm not even confident about vw right now i think that the entire automotive industry saw where the benchmark was with tesla and they still missed the mark right so like after releasing products that weren't good enough for a product that's been out for three years i'm still like i don't want to say that i don't believe anyone can do it but i think that we're almost there that we can believe in Fisker. So I'm more positive, but I still I'm still not. I mean, the big still the big, not there. A lot of people are saying you know Fisker is is very good at delivering vaporware, and I think that's a bit a little bit harsh. But I feel like that's it's a valid, valid concern. The Karma was a beautiful car. Mm. I know I knew a Karma owner. Yeah. One of my fellows at Pebble you, you drove knew one? our Karma oh and my eventually sold it, and they had countless issues yeah. with drivetrain. Yeah. like mechanicals and the fit and finish and the build quality but the car was absolutely gorgeous and i want to give you know mr fisker kudos i'm a big fan of his design language over the years for all the different companies he's worked for and this thing i'm not a cuv suv person i know the world is that's where the world is at and i cannot get over it and i'm not on board and, either but i, I have to say that thing and by the way the ford mach -E, in my opinion as well are pretty damn good looking for small suvs or cuvs and um so I'm impressed with the design, and I'm, from what I'm seeing, it looks like they're using the existing skateboard from someone, which reassures me that they can meet the mass manufacturing goals and do it somewhat well. Mm. Um, because in the past, the, the problem with the car is that it was all bespoke, built in-house, right. you know, with Everything. a coach builder or somebody that they had, uh, one of the, you know, one of the German or Austrian, yeah. whatever, yeah, that, yeah. That, that built cars in small quantities, and that's always a nightmare. So... I'm hoping they can deliver. But my biggest gripe right now is that nobody seems to be able to um, get close to Tesla. And I'm yeah. not saying like, it's one thing that you say to me, oh, we don't have the battery tech, so we're a little behind. So like, instead of 370 mile on range on a 100 kilowatt, we're doing 350 or 340. I'd be like, dude, that's fine. You're in the ballpark. Keep doing, keep going. But what we're getting here is, you know, cars with battery packs the same size as a Model S that does 370 miles. That, like in the case of the Taycan, literally does 200 miles. That's yeah. almost half. And when you talk to yeah. the people, you find out it's not the battery tech. Yeah. It's that they're being conservative. They're worried about fire and warranty issues and whatever. And I think those are legit in another universe mm -hmm. where Tesla doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. But in another universe where Tesla exists and shows the way, they're going to have to adapt and I know there are risks you need to take. And okay, so you have to buy a new pack under warranty. Maybe for a customer who's not happy. Well, maybe you should make your battery packs more reliable and better. And maybe, you know, well, you yes. can... Like, to that point, yes. But you know? they have not made battery packs yet. So you can't tell somebody to make something better when they haven't well, done the first I mean, generation they're starting. Yet. They're starting. They're right? starting. But it's going to... Like Tesla's, the first ones had when, bad battery life. And went how... On fire. And they're still and going on. But fire. how long has it been? How long have they been? Well, 2012 was the Model yeah. S. So, yeah. we're so I mean, for the Model S, into. but they've been doing it since before then. Oh, yeah. And so it's been a long time, and it takes time yeah. with these new technologies. For sure. We have to get there I just feel that with all the bite and the money that the Germans and the Japanese have, you'd think that by now they would be able to catch up you know, or yeah. become close. But yeah, I'm excited about. I'm strangely excited about the Fisker after seeing it. I'm. I'm. I did I'm honestly, not expect that at all. <laughs> I'm honestly just. I'm. I'm. I'm still suspicious. I mean, if the big guys can't meet Tesla and produce a car that's reliable, and I think that the Germans are They're right close. are right in being conservative because you know what, like this isn't a. This isn't making cars for enthusiasts who are forgiving. This is making cars for the mass market. Yeah. Right? So it's a totally different audience than the one that Tesla is going for. Tesla is ahead, right? Because they are have been doing it longer and they have the infrastructure. It's a little bit better. But 
they have to build things in a way that instill confidence because the EV market is so new that they have but to But in the meantime, you look at Tesla's numbers more. on the Model 3, like in the Netherlands, which is the most successful car of all time right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, and you're asking yourself, well, maybe you shouldn't be waiting much longer and maybe you should change some of those standards you've yeah. had for 100 years and adjust to the market conditions. Because I have mm -hmm. a, like when you see people trading in the industry, they're Honda Civics and Mazda 3s mm -hmm. for Model 3s that cost twice, three times as much. Mm -hmm. Something is happening out there. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is. It's not or just you hype. Could, or you could be Honda and say, oh, we have God. this amazing looking Panda. EV oh, and Panda. say, we only want to give it to a couple people and we actually don't think it's a priority. Yeah. Well, on that note, Nicole, we don't want to I keep do, you. I do, have to, I do have to bounce um, off. But thank, thank you. you so much for having me on. Absolutely. And Nick. You're, you have enough personality to fill for both of us. So. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, no problem. Thanks, Nicole. So, Nick, how do you feel about EVs and cars and this whole stuff? Like, we're really seeing a shift towards mobility at CS, right? Yeah, I mean, it's been strange because cars have been here for so many years. And honestly, the last two years has been really different as far as just the whole feel of the show. Like... It was automotives here, and we have some tech in automotive, and now everything in automotive here is tech, and not just EVs, but like the whole tech aspect of the cars and self-driving cars. Like we see that so much more here than any. Honestly, I think we see more self-driving stuff than actual EV stuff. Yeah, true. And and we have for a long time. And we have for a long time. Yeah. And honestly, that really excites me. Like you can take a lift here in the city and they've been, you know, the active is yeah. here. Yeah. It, autonomous. Autonomous driving. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool. Like they still have a long ways to go. Like they have to map things and they work with the street lights with the special sensors. So they can't go out of a certain area because the street lights don't have the sensors in them to communicate if it's a green light or a red light. Um, but honestly, the the EV thing is going to come eventually. I'm more excited about the self-driving thing because yeah. that's transformational in the way we think about vehicles. Yeah. Going from everybody owns a vehicle to, hey, here's a ride-hailing service that drives itself and it's a fourth of the cost of Lyft because you don't have to pay the driver. Not to say we don't want people having jobs and driving, but that's you know the biggest cost right now with with ride sharing services is you know the person that's behind the wheel taking you places. Absolutely. And I, I'm a big proponent of self-driving vehicles. We're not even close to being there yet, but it's exciting to see the technology here. But you know, at the same time, we've seen a lot of kind of pie in the sky car concepts and ideas. And, and I don't want to say that autonomous is, is pie in the sky. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. Eventually. It's going to change exactly the way you see ownership and, and mobility. Yep. It's going to be car sharing, ride hailing services, yep. and what else using autonomy for sure. But I feel like in the automotive realm, CS has always been pie in the sky. Yes. A little too much for my liking, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and so, it's, it's there. The The nice thing is, though, the last couple of years, we've actually seen things actually come to market with those pie in the sky things. Like Tesla keeps moving the ball forward, and some of these EV you know, startups essentially coming to market, or even just... Uh, we've seen some of the, like these people mover EVs that are self-driving, like little shuttle services that are on college campuses in a couple places or in the DC area. Like you actually see those in the real world. And two years ago, I wouldn't have thought those would, you know, have a chance at all, but we're actually seeing it, which is really exciting for me. Yeah, totally. I feel the same way. So, you know, it's interesting because our sponsors, Dassault Systems this, this week, and they actually have, um, they're an incubator here. French company became famous for making 3D um, modeling software back in the day in the 70s, very early on when they needed it for making uh, aircraft because they built their big aircraft. Um, and so uh, from aircraft, they went to make, making 3D modeling tools to then selling these tools to companies who then were trying to get funding for their projects. And then the, so said, hey, we're a big company. We sold you tools, but maybe we can incubate you. And, and so they're an incubator and they have a bunch of companies here in the, on the show floor that are basically consumer facing companies. And one of them is called Canoo, C-A-N-O-O. -O. 
And Canoe is basically his company based out of uh, South, Southern California that has a skateboard type EV design with a modular uh, top. So you can have like a, a minivan or a pickup truck or a car a or shuttle. whatever or a shuttle. And their entire business model is we don't want to sell those. We just want to make a fleet of them. And you order what shell you want on top and you basically borrow it for the time you need. And when you're done, it goes off and does its own thing. And they're betting obviously on EV a lot. But as you said, you know, what's much more exciting, they're betting on autonomy. Yep. They're betting on basically this entire fleet. Uh, at first, probably will have uh, not full autonomy and will have pedals and, and a steering wheel, but eventually will be completely autonomous. And so, you know, you'll pull out your app and say, I need a car for the afternoon, and you get a car for the afternoon with configured the way you want. And what's interesting is that their skateboard today is designed for everything's drive by wire. So the pedals and the steering wheel can be added if they're still needed. And then they can just and be then eventually later. they can remove them, and so what you just talked about just now this this strong, strong autonomy, uh, you know, presence at CS, you know, is it, it's starting to be less pie in the sky now at CS this automotive stuff. For a while it was just like ta da, we want to impress. In a way, Mercedes. We didn't talk about it when Nicole was here, but Mercedes did this crazy concept car at CS this year that was as as she said very Instagram worthy, but that's about it. And, and that's what I mean by like, you know, it was very flashy before yeah. and now it's a lot more, I feel it's a lot more like real. When you see companies like Canoe that have been around for a while, have a car that you can try out, that exists. Yeah, you can step inside these little shuttle Correct. things. Correct. And, and that they're really trying, you know, they're, they have, they're thinking like way further ahead. They're like, okay, so eventually when everything is autonomous and cars can't collide anymore, safety is no longer a primary concern in the design, right? It's still a concern, but not quite as much as it is today because you know that there's going to be a lot less accidents. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, you're really optimistic because until we have all cars autonomous, it's going to be dangerous out there. Well, and one thing to keep into consideration there is if you are no longer buying a vehicle, there's certain, certain things that are no longer important. You don't care about zero to 60. You don't care about top speed. But you might still. And that's actually a discussion I had with Canoe. But like for, for a regular user, if you're using a ride-sharing service, you just want to get in the vehicle. You want it to take you to your destination. There's no like the driver experience right, right. anymore, like that whole thing or the luxuries that a driver wants in his vehicle yeah. are different than I'm a passenger yeah. in a vehicle. Like you yeah, still want luxuries totally. and things like and that. You want the entertainment. But it's not, it's not want... my purchase. It's not my vehicle. So it changes the concept of transportation because right now everybody has, I have my car, right? right? right. Versus... I am going from point A to point B, and that's what these vehicles will solve. You won't own a car. And like I think a lot of people will have issues getting over that, but I think it's an amazing it's thing. It's inevitable. It's yeah. inevitable. I think it's going to be really hard in America where it's like owning a car is in some it's places. It's a status it's, symbol. In some places, like owning a gun. You know, it's yeah. like, uh, you know, out of my dead hands kind of thing. And I think that, um, I think for me what's interesting what you just said is, is I talked about the folks at Canoe about this. Is there room in here for going beyond in car enthusiasm as we know it today where it's based on performance and the feel and the experience? That's all very important. But is there a possibility that in the future we can gamify the autonomous driving experience mm -hmm. such that you feel that you're in command, but you're not really? Yet you're like you experience, you know? Pretend it's a little video game and you can exactly. like one up other people and Correct. get points or something. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I so, like that idea. And so that's kind of what I said, you know, like, because I think that in the same way as people still, uh, you know, ride horses today, you know, as a recreational thing, I don't think that it's going to ever stop that people are going to drive cars on a racetrack or yep. in a controlled environment and have fine experiences and maybe have antique, what will be at that point, antique, antique cars, which are gasoline powered, very An expensive. An antique 2020 vehicle. I know, exactly. Uh, and and uh, I think there's that, but I think that there's also this big chance that because you're so bored in this autonomous drive, you might be given a steering wheel and pedals and you might be able to affect the way the autonomous is behaving mm -hmm. without completely controlling anything. Yeah, so like you move you know, the steering and wheel and you when it's ready, really hard, it will go. You know, if there's space, it gives you that crazy zero to 60 kick, which it can because it's an EV and it has all the all reserves the in the world yeah. to do it. And, you know, um, 
Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how it evolves. But uh, uh, the other thing that I saw uh, that Dustle System was incubating is a battery pack that's roughly the size of a suitcase, like a big suitcase, that you can, and this is a B2B thing, this is not something they're gonna sell to you and me, but they're gonna sell it to companies like AAA maybe. Like I don't know who they're gonna sell it to, I'm just assuming. But Real it's, a ba it's a, basically a battery pack that's modular, that's a suitcase basically, and it has fast DC charging output. It's only three kilowatt, so it's 50 pounds, it's manageable in terms of weight. But 50 kilowatt, uh, can give you uh, a 20-minute charge, a 20-mile charge in 20 minutes. Uh, and so if you need an emergency charge or, you know, you know you're going to go a little beyond what your range is currently and you're at work right now and your car is in the parking lot, you can order this service that comes to your car with a suitcase, plugs it in, you know, you open the port for them, they plug in, it charges for 20 minutes, they take it off, they leave, something like that. It was cool. It's called Spark Charge. And uh, I was like, you know, it's kind of like, what's it called? Um, e coming to you with a gas can, right? Yeah, it's, it's the yeah. gas can yeah. of, you know, I ran out of gas. and Or it's the, I need a top off right now. There's actually a service, I don't know what it's called, uh, but there's a service that exists today where you they can come order to fuel to, to your the car. parking lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've they seen have that. A, they have a truck with a little gas pump in it. And it's kind of fun. Yeah, I, I think... Things like that are interesting once we get a mature market for it. Like there will be yeah. different different applications for, you know, we need some extra battery power or we need some unique thing delivered to a vehicle that at, in the current state doesn't exist, but we have something comparable to the current, you know, gas engine vehicles. So eventually the, the market will evolve to we need a, an electric version of this thing as well. So we haven't talked much about TVs and audio on this show because we did cover that a little bit less, a bit more on the last episode with Shannon Morse, um, which was earlier this week. Anything that stood out for you in terms of TV and audio? Um, as far as TVs goes, you probably heard it before, but 8K is here to stay. Uh, I don't know what the heck any of us are going to watch in 8K because the <laughs> content, we barely have, let's be honest, we barely have decent 4k content at this point like we're finally getting to the point where 4k is becoming the standard but we, we still have a long ways to go for 4k and having 8k come up now and you know it's going to be here for now until eternity it's it looks freaking amazing it's i've seen so many 8k panels i walk up it's you know, a depth right it's the depth. It's for me. the depth, and but like just the clarity and the brightness of the screens, because they they've been pushing the nits on these 8K displays just because they have to. Right. And but you walk up to it and you get within six inches of the panel and you still can't see individual pixels. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sitting across the room, you know, at a 4K TV. It, if you're five feet away, you're really not going to know that it's the distance, but they can push the sizes a lot more. Like every, I think the lot, smallest 4 8K I saw was like 84 inches or something. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I mean, what's interesting to me is that what TCL said at the press conference, which was like, we expect within a year or two every TV to be 8K. And not necessarily because the content will exist, because everybody's always screaming, like, well, what's the point? We don't have the content. Because apparently, you know, with AI upscaling technologies where you can analyze the image in real time and like, you and know. And that's getting better and better. And upscale and the processing power is there now. Uh, it won't matter. You will just benefit from 8K, even with 4K content. I want to know what processing power you actually need to upscale to 8K, because that's a whole lot of, like in like photo editing and video editing, that's one thing, like it's a unique thing, but live upscaling from 4K to 8K, like that's a lot of power. I know, but it's also a very narrow use case scenario. True. So you true. can create custom chips to do yeah. that. Um, you know, whereas our smartphone chips have to handle AI for general purpose. For general purpose, and, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's challenging. Although they are getting more and more AI specific, our phones, for photography yeah. and imaging because that's and obviously... And specific chips important. for those. Exactly, yeah. The ISPs are getting AI embedded in them now. Now, as far as audio goes, though, like, true wireless earbuds are... Are real. Here it is. 
20 bucks, 30 bucks, 40 bucks, 100 bucks, 300 bucks. There's a whole scale of everything, which is really nice because what was it? Like four years ago was the first time that they showed up here and now they're Braggy, everywhere. Right? Yeah, Braggy was Braggy here was first. showing them then off. Then we got the AirPods. Well, no, we saw a lot before the well, AirPods. Well, yeah, but there was but... nothing that stood out. Braggy stands out because they were first. Yeah. AirPods stood out because they did it right and they democratized it. In the sense that it's you know you you know it worked and everybody could have it. Yeah. And then now I feel like you're right. It's like we're at the point where I'm expecting any day now to see these in blister packs at Seven Eleven. Yeah, uh, you probably can right now. That is my uh, litmus test for. You're technology. gonna find disposable ones like yeah. single-use true Correct. wireless you earbuds. To, you never have to with noise them. cancellation. Yeah. yeah. Five bucks, throw them away once the battery is dead. That is my litmus test for technology. If you see it at a blister pack. At 7-Eleven or CVS or Walgreens or Safeway, you have arrived. You have arrived. Yeah. I have a pipe dream, actually. I want to hear what you think about this, Nick. I've been talking about this for at least five years, and I hope somebody makes it happen because I don't have the time and energy to make it happen. I want to go to 7-Eleven or CVS or whatever and buy a blister pack $25 tablet that comes with a preset amount of 4G data and a preset amount of battery. And when I'm done, I bring it back and I get a deposit back out of that $25. Um, maybe it's $25 plus a $5 deposit or $10 deposit, making the deposit a big chunk of it. That way I'm kind of um, encouraged to come back and drop it off when it's dead. And they can basically recondition it and recycle it into a new tablet that's gonna be in another blister pack two days later. And the idea is this is a kind of like the fire tablet. It's, it's pseudo disposable. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it doesn't have kind of like a, a state of permanence in the sense that you can easily like a Chromebook lock someone out, lock someone else in and the entire Google or whatever yep. ecosystem pops up. And you know, they might be monochrome or e-ink or, or you know, they could, I mean, nowadays they could even just be IPS because it's so cheap to make tablets. And, but the idea is that you get a pre amount, uh, a preset amount of, of 4G connectivity that comes with it. And you have a bunch of them in the various drawers in your house. And, you know, grandma comes to visit, she forgot her laptop or iPad or whatever. Just hand one of those over to her and she can watch Netflix and, you know, on the Wi Fi. And then if she walks away, she can do Google Maps or whatever. I think the technology, like as far as the cost for it, probably three years. Um, but honestly, I don't think there would be a need for it because at this point we are cycling through devices so quickly that a lot of people already have a tablet just sitting in their drawer that they're not using. Like even, you know, non-tech enthusiasts have this collection of deprecated devices that they're just... But the idea here is that it's up to date, right? Like, so you you know you're not buying deprecated technology. If you're just watching Netflix, or like, do you need something that's up to date? Like if you're just watching Netflix or browsing the web quickly for, you know, 30 minutes or something. Security is an issue, right? These old tablets in your drawer, they're not running the latest version of Android. They don't have the security patches. This would always have the security patches. This the is true, but then you, be you would get the people on the other end of the spectrum saying, well, a shared device isn't secure. Yeah, right? that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, so like from a technology standpoint, as, as an affordability thing, I say three years, we're there. From a use case, I personally, I don't think the use case is there, but like from the it's price, just, I think we'd yeah, be there in about this, three this, years. I'm just picturing like, it's very cyberpunk, you know? It's like, you need a terminal, it's here, it's disposable. Yep. You don't have to worry well, about it. Well, I mean, it, it could be like the um, the scooters, the scooter rentals. Yeah. Like it, you just have docks places where you just swipe your card or unlock unlock a tablet with your phone. And then it go. You put it back in. It has a little cleaning mechanism, and so it's not like a blister pack. You just use it for an hour, and but then we all have devices with us all the time. So true, true. And I mean, it's just I don't know. It's just it's just an idea that there's always tickled my fancy. Anyway, we should probably wrap it up. Um, I want to thank you for being on the show and give you an opportunity to tell the world where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on fandroid.com uh, for all of our CES 2020 coverage and going forward into this new year. 
We have MWC just coming up right around the corner. Yeah, I'm excited. Which is crazy. Uh, so yeah, check out Fandroid.com. We have our YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash Fandroid, uh, for all of our coverage. And I just want to chime in for Nicole since she had to go. If you're interested in following Nicole, check her out on Twitter at Nicole Scooter. That's Nicole underscore Scooter with a little ad symbol in front of it. And uh, of course, at mobilegeeks.com and you should be able to find her YouTube videos on YouTube as well at Mobile Geeks. So check her out. And you know where to find me folks on the internet. I'm at Tankgirl, that's T-N-K-G-R-L on Twitter and Instagram. Like the comic book character Tankgirl without the vowels. And uh, on Twitter is where you probably want to interact with me about this podcast. If you want to ask questions, make corrections, please, uh, you know, ping me on Twitter. And on Instagram, you'll find some photos of devices I'm playing with and, and photos taken with these devices. I like to take lots of photos with phones. So if you like nice photography, hopefully you'll check out my Instagram. Finally, there is a YouTube channel that goes along with the podcast called the Mobile Tech Podcast YouTube channel. If you type Mobile Tech Podcast in the YouTube search bar, you'll find the channel and please subscribe tell your friends like the videos you know comment and and hit the notification icon but uh, you know the channel is basically a visual uh, supplement to the podcast if you want to see what these devices look like how they work I do little videos hands-ons unboxing that sort of thing a lot of the devices we talked about on this show uh, that were shown this week at CS will be showcased with links in the show notes below uh, and we'll link to the YouTube channel. Finally, if you stumble upon the podcast by accident and you're wondering how to subscribe, mobiletechpodcast.com is the URL. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, and Spotify, and pretty much any podcast app can uh, subscribe just easily. Uh, if you are following on one of the platforms that allows it, please uh, review us, please rate us, please tell uh, us what you think, us being my guests and I. Uh, and then finally, I want to thank our sponsor, the other sponsor, the one that's a regular sponsor, audible.com. They're pretty awesome if you like books, if you're a bookworm, but for some reason you are unable to read books on paper or e-ink and you need to listen to them. They are the platform of choice. We love Audible because right now I think we're about to start binging on the new Star Wars. Uh, so every time a new Star Wars movie comes out, they come out with a 21-hour epic reading of the movie basically and it's amazing uh and the one thing i love about audible is that a lot of the books are read by the authors you really get this super ex immersive experience if you're driving all day or you're on a road trip and you can't read a book listen to a book with audible.com we have a special deal if uh you want to try it out there's no strings attached and you will help the podcast by going to audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. You get 30 days free trial. You get to keep one of the books you download and you don't have to stay. And no matter what you do, stay or go, continue with the service or not, you support the podcast. So audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. It's in the show notes below. If you want to click on it instead of type it in. Uh, thanks to Audible for being a longtime sponsor. And thanks to you, Nick, and to Nicole, of course, for both being my guests on the show. Thanks, Nick. My pleasure, as always. Absolutely. We'll have you on again sometime soon. Um, MWC is just around the corner. But until then, it's still a few weeks away. We'll have another show every week, so stay tuned. And that's it for now. Cheers, everybody. Bye. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.